Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Black Brew, specifically a mocha segment. I'm Aaron. I'm Lance. And we're your hosts. It's been a while since we've had a Black Brew episode, y'all. But just bear in mind, there are some changes in the work going with uh, Black Brew right now. But anyway, as usual, we'll have our mocha segment, which is themed around literature. So. Literature. <laughs> Um, do you want to go over our topics today? I will. Welcome to this Mocha segment where Aaron and I create non-black coffee. Um, so today for Mocha, we will be discussing uh, book award season because it is the season where we get all of our book awards announced and whether or not we think book awards are worth it. Also discussing, of course, our currently reading, want to read soon. And then at the end, we have our fun topic, power couple where we have two random authors and we have to decide what type of book we think they would write together. Thrilling stuff. So, Aaron. Yes. What have you been reading recently? I just got done reading... What did I just get done reading? I don't know. You tell me. Oh, I just got done reading Watchmen, the comic book, because I've seen the movie and I eventually want to watch the TV series. I was like, let me go back and read the actual book because I purchased it in a bookstore when you came to visit me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was interesting. I failed to see what the hype is with all of these men who claim that it is one of like the staple pieces in superhero fiction. I would disagree, but um, I'm sure they would call me a slur. (laughs) um, Yes, that is what I just got done reading. I also recently got done reading Hood Feminism, which was pretty good as well. Um, But I did not have a visceral reaction to Hood Feminism as I did with Watchmen. I hope not. (laughs) What did you just get done reading? Um, I recently just finished The Two Towers, the second book in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And Memphis, which is one of the books that has been long listed for the Women's Prize in fiction. Uh, Two Towers was great. I think if anyone needs me to explain the plot of Lord of the Rings, they can go to Wikipedia because I'm not doing it on this podcast. Um, It's fantasy. I had a great time. Memphis is about a, it's like a generational story and each chapter takes place in a different year. There's a lot of like time skipping and going back and forth. And it's about a family of Black women in Memphis, Tennessee, and it follows their family from, like, the granddaughters of the women talked about and their mothers and also the grandmother. And it goes through their lives in, like, pre-Jim Crow, Jim Crow, and post-Jim Crow South. And also um, the difficulties of forgiveness and love and hate. It's very emotional. At first, I didn't really like it, but by the end, I was sobbing so that was a great moment for me like very southern very viscerally southern we love southern we do we truly do and currently i am reading a memory called empire which is a sci-fi like it's market i think some tags put it as a space odyssey what's that called space odyssey what's that yeah that stuff keisha don't like um, but it's, it's not, not space opera. It's not that. It's like a um, 
political intrigue ambassadorial politics space thing which is following this main girl who is an ambassador to the empire from her space station and she's trying to figure out what happened to the previous ambassador and why he was killed and she has like an implant in the back of her neck that gives her like the memories of that um, ambassador but it's an old out of date one so it's not him up to date and her trying to navigate this world and the language and try not to die the entire time so so far it's pretty decent i'm enjoying it it's a slow go though what is next for you aaron what are you planning to read next i am currently in the middle of a book called razor blade tears um it is a thriller slash mystery um about these two interracial gay boys who were married who got murdered and their homophobic fathers, one black, one white, obviously. Um, <laughs> they come no. together to. <laughs> they no would have guessed. They come together to enact revenge and retribution uh, for their son's murders. So uh, that I'm in the middle of that right now. Um, it's also southern, depending on where you think the South is, because it takes place in Virginia. I mean, Virginia is the South. Okay, some people say they got grits in Virginia. So, um, yeah, so it takes place in Virginia. Um, it's so far very interesting, has some racial politics in it, um, some queer politics, some southern politics. politics. Um, yes, so it's interesting. Um, whenever we decide to start our uh book club back up again. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you up to you, girly. You're the one who uh, needed to pause. I want to propose that we read the other black girl, um, because it has been on my TBR for a very long time, and I really want to read it. Um, and I think after that, I think I want to read a really, 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 really like indie horror book. I don't know what yet. I'll just search through my TBR, but there, I want to read some indie horror because I have not read horror in a very long time. Uh, and the last horror book I did read was a YA horror ya black queer horror and i was like even though it's ya this book is still given so i was like okay see ya can be good if it is done correctly mm. so and it was very horror and i was like oh this makes me love horror and i want to go back to reading it so that's what i want to do but i also i also want to read some sci-fi as well some like hard sci-fi because it's been a while since i've read hard sci-fi so and I also want to get back into reading comics as well. So there are a lot of things I want to read. So I don't know what I'm, I don't know what, like, what am I, I guess I'm reading thrillers right now. And I'm reading a bunch of nonfiction too. That's, this is why I can't read horror, sci-fi, and comics because I'm reading a bunch of nonfiction. <laughs> Lord forbid. Um, next on my docket, I guess, is the next one after a memory called Empire, which is a desolation called Peace. Desolation. I don't know if I will read that before I have to take off to go meet Patricia because I'm meeting my friend soon. Um, I think for my trip I'm doing with them, I'm taking The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang and finally starting that trilogy. I also, my next audiobook I think will be Trespasses, which is also long listed for the Women's Award for Fiction. Um, but those might be the next two that I kind of look at. We'll see. I don't really have a mindset of what I want to fucking read. I'm just like, hee hee hee, goo goo gaga, whatever just gets in my face i suppose and it's not bad i did dnf a book today though 
it was called mother thing and I thought it was gonna be much scarier than it ended up being it was actually really annoying because I don't care about straight people <laughs> um but I digress so love that love that that's what we've been reading do you feel like you've been reading good books recently or do you feel kind of meh I feel kind of meh I feel like because the book that I took the most time to read was Watchmen um it, it was it was just so fucking boring I was like not me one thing about me I love some superheroes I, I literally this is how I put myself asleep at night I try to imagine a different superhero movie every night before I go to bed and that's how I make myself fall asleep so I was very and I love oh oh I love an anti-hero. I love not black and white heroes. I love heroes that do shit that this is why I love like the X-Men. But this shit was just like uh the po- just the fact that it was like so overtly political. Second of all, it was historical fiction, which should have which should have been a red flag for me because I absolutely hate historical fiction. And I was like, maybe I can, I can overlook that. I can overlook that. I could not. dear reader they could not it's it's just giving someone who just like i feels like someone who loves historical fiction and they love learning about like the wars they're like oh my like like you know like memorophilia from like the vietnam war or whatever um or world war ii or some shit and they said what if i put that with like men who are superheroes who abuse people you got the Watchmen. Lord, once again, PSA to all our listeners, you can DNF a book. It is not a crime. The book I police know, will not arrest you. I know, but the thing is, is that, like, I feel like I, I DNF so many books. That I was like, let me just make it through this one. So I tried to make it through. I will say I did skim a bit of it once I got to the end because I was like, this is... I'd say, I'd say you better than me, but I read it all the way through, too, and hated every second of it, so... <laughs> we're the same same idiots why did you read it all the way through for the same reason you did so if a white man ever said oh you should read the watchman i can say i did and it sucked (laughs) i did and it was shit (laughs) that's why i did it oh my god I don't know. I've liked most of what I've read so far recently because my goal this year, like one of my goals was to only read five star reads, which hasn't happened, of course, but it has encouraged me to DNF a lot more books where I was just like, I really don't give a shit. So that's nice. Um, I have read a lot of books that I do really enjoy this year so far. So there's hope. There's hope, Baron. You can still read some good ass shit. I feel like if I stop reading... I feel like if I just go back to reading what I love, which is horror and sci-fi, then I probably will get some good books. There we go. That's it. Always got to come back to what you love. Which brings us to the second section, something that we love of this. Are you quite prepared, Aaron? Yeah. Oh, thank God. We will be talking about book award season. Are you excited? I'm excited. So for those of you who don't know, March is generally when a lot of the book awards in this world get, they announce their long list, they announce their nominees. So for example, this past month, the Nebula Award, which is the award for science fiction and fantasy, announced their list of nominees for all of their categories, including best novel, best short story, best game writing, blah, blah, blah. 
And the Lambda Award, which is for LGBT fiction, has also announced their nominees for their different prizes. The Prize for Wins Fiction, which I think is a British award, has announced their long list, which they did on my birthday, International Women's Day. Uh, the Booker Prize, which I think is also British, announced their long list. And the National Book Award, which is American, has also announced their long list for who will be the next winner for 2023. Wow. So thrilling. And this year, one of my challenges for myself was to read all of the long-listed books for the Prize for Women's Fiction and to try to read all of the books that were announced for the Nebula, which I usually do every year anyways, because I read everything Tor has ever published and Tor is half the list, mostly. So, Aaron, mm -hmm. we have some questions about this. Do you, in all of your innate wisdom, think that book awards are worth it? Yeah, I think they're worth it. I mean, I feel like people who create, who are committed to the craft of writing should um, be awarded for their talent and their labor. Mm. Um, I think for me... It's so um, diplomatic of you. Uh, well, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I have become very skeptical of any kind of awards thing just because you get just like a panel of five to six people i don't know how many people are in the panel to judge this but if it's anything like you know the oscars the emmys the whatevers uh for any kind of a war it's usually a select group of people hopefully they are people who uh, are credible in the field of whatever they're doing but that is just and i'm sure they probably rated on you know statistics and readership and uh money made and books sold and stuff like that but it is i mean but to be fair there are plenty of books who are new york times bestsellers who have made a bunch of money making off books and their writing is garbage it is trash so that being said if we don't base it off of how many books were sold and we base it off if the panel or judges group thinks that is good good work then it's just a select group of people's opinion about whether or not that is a book that deserves an award i think people deserve awards especially people from communities that have been silenced and erased um so i take it with a grain of salt to sum up what i'm what i'm saying um for me now that i not to act like i'm an expert or anything but now that i am in a I mean, you are Oh, thank you. Now that I am in a program studying publishing and attempting to enter the workforce for it, um, I will be the one to say that I think all book awards are just glorified PR. Um, because I don't think, I think you give the committees too much credit, Aaron. They don't actually take um, statistics and money into account in sales. They just go on vibes. Um, they really do. They just go on vibes. And I think for most of them, I think when it gets more niche, sometimes I can see a better choice of books. But when it gets to things like the Prize for Women's Fiction or the Booker Prize or National Book Awards, they're choosing from such a big option of books. And they inevitably are always going to pick books that are marketable across the board, mm. which means that they're going to ignore a lot of different types of books. And I think they also elevate 
types of voices that glorify trauma, if that makes sense. Because, like, a lot of um, books by people of color who get put up for these awards are books that deal with, like, the trauma of living in white cultures. And you don't see, like, a lot of genre fiction get picked up by these awards that are more general. And you don't see a lot of kind of, like, the, you. we are starting to see more diverse voices picked up. Like, the winner for the past Booker Prize was from um, Sri Lanka, I believe. But... I feel like at some point, I feel like to some degree they do tokenize and it is like not well picked. And there are a lot of public um, opinions of readers that they feel like the quality of books has gone down where they just aren't actually picking good books. They're just picking books to pick books at this rate to put them up for the awards. And the ones that end up winning when comparing them to the long list or the short list are not actually the best in the majority opinion which maybe we should make these votable, like the Hugo Awards. Who knows? There are some literary awards that are votable by readers and readership, which I think maybe shows a bit more of what the people actually like versus what a committee of very privileged individuals think is good. Yeah. So brings us to our second question. Do we need separate awards? So as I mentioned, we have the prize for women's fiction. There's the Lambda Awards, which is for people who are LGBT. And there are also things like the Coretta Scott King Award for children's books, which specifically is given to Black authors and books that uplift Black voices. And so do you think that we need to have separate awards for like different types of people or separate awards for genre? Like, for example, the Nebula is for sci-fi and fantasy. The Bram Stoker Award is for horror. Do you think we need all these different types of awards or should we just have less? Less is more? Uh, I don't know. I'm inclined to say yes, um, because I just like I don't think that any of the indie horror on oh my Goodreads TBR is going to win the fucking Booker Prize or the fucking National Book Award. <laughs> so you um, don't think um sock monster killer is gonna win the Booker Prize? <laughs> No, absolutely not. Not at all. I mean, and then the books that they usually that I see winning a lot of awards that come from these big, big awards that are not like uh, genre specific. They're usually books I will probably never read anyway. So in my opinion, I'm like, I don't really even deserve that award. So but that's just me. So I'm inclined to say yes, especially when um, I mean, a lot of people who are women or queer people or people of color um are sometimes snubbed from awards um i think that sometimes it's necessary and then also just because we have genres that are not i don't know we live in a, in a society where we think that lit fic is the height of writing um and i disagree so i feel like because if we if we if we exclude if we disregard the fact that there are marginalized communities who don't get awards and who get snubbed and we just focus on the, the actual literature literature lit fit is gonna always reign supreme as like just like good american fiction and good british fiction <laughs> and i just don't care about any of that shit i don't i think for me a book should win an award because i think it's entertaining not really because it can be providing some kind of you know, good social commentary, but that is, 
I'm like, I'm like, why are we reading books? Are we reading books to be to be entertained or to just get social commentary? And if so, can't you just read nonfiction? Like, I don't know. I just feel like yes, but also I wish we didn't have to have separate awards. But also that is just the nature of awards. Hmm. I feel like in an idealized society, we would not need them because women and queer people and people of color would be able to compete at the same level as white men and not be erased. Obviously, we do not live in this idolized society. Otherwise, we would not have all these fucking awards all over the place of my asshole out my booty hole through my ears. <laughs> um, but as like a big genre reader, I do think that like, I because I also enjoy literary fiction. I say also, you don't enjoy it. I enjoy literary fiction as much as the next bitch. <laughs> Um, I enjoy a good, like, my mother is the hellscape on earth and I fear motherhood literary fiction, you know? Um, but I do not think it is the end all be all of fiction. And this is where I come in to say that I think, um, Stephen King should have won a National Book Award by now. Um, that's my hot take. I think he should have won it for The Shining. I think in 20 years time, Stephen King will be taught in high schools as the next, as the greatest American author. Eat my fucking ass about it. Because he is. I so I think that so. I'll read it with you, girl. Because I feel like with genre, a lot of it gets pushed to the side as being not as good. When a lot of the quote unquote classics that we are encouraged to read or forced to read are genre fiction. And so I feel like when we come into discussions of these really quote unquote prestigious awards, I don't think they're actually representative of what is interesting or what is actual good social commentary. Because I don't think a lot of this literary fiction is accessible social commentary. Mm. Whereas you can read something like a King book or, oh God, who's someone else that we read? I feel like with King, you can see social commentary or you can at least apply it. Because I feel like with literature, literature it can be um <laughs> with literature you can apply social commentary to it because it is an artifact of our society it is an artifact of a point in time so i don't know i would like to see more genre in these prizes and i'd like to see them fucking win instead of just having to look at what won the Bram stoker award what won the nebula what won the hugo i don't know which are prestigious in their own right, I suppose, if we give a shit about prestige, which I don't think many of us do. No. Hey! And so finally, do we think that book awards accomplish what they set out to do? So what do you think a book award is setting out to do, Aaron? Well, based on the articles that you sent me... Um, the articles? <laughs> I think they are supposed to be creating and facilitating a conversation about the books and getting people to read more books. Um, I'll say it'll definitely spark a conversation, but I'm definitely not about to read half the books that win these awards. Um, in a sense, for for awards like the Bram Stoker and the Nebula, um, I mean, and the Lambda Literary, I think for those communities, it's what it's doing is highlighting and giving it representation, which in that case, yes, it is doing what it's supposed to be doing. But if I'm thinking about these very big-ass mainstream awards, 
I mean, I guess they're facilitating a conversation about it. What the conversation is, I don't know. Is it genuine? I don't know. Thought provoking, debatable. So debatable. <laughs> I I mean, I think for some of the wars they are doing what they're supposed to be doing, but some of them I think that it is just there just to exist and to just give someone, like you said, PR. So um yes and no. I think that if these awards, if they do have the purpose of sparking conversation and interest, it only does so within certain circles, which keeps them elite and keeps them insulated. Because I feel like your average Joe Blow reader, so if I use my mother as example, as the pinnacle of white Southern mothers to talk about what they read, my mother doesn't know what the fuck any of these awards are. I could read these off to her. I'm just going to be speaking words at her. She's going to be like, oh, okay. She doesn't give a shit. She reads James Patterson and Dean Koontz. Absolutely. Which, like, go off, mom. She reads Louis L'Amour, Western Romances, and Large Print from the Columbiana Public Library. <laughs> large print. <laughs> it has to be large print. But I feel like for the av- this, these awards are not meant to appeal to the average reader which I think innately makes them flawed because mm. it makes literature, literature, literature seem as something unaccessible and maintains that idea we're taught in high school that literature has to be highbrow, thought-provoking. You have to like use a lot of forethought into it, which while I do think we should read books that challenge us and challenge our perceptions and challenge us mentally, we should not exclusively see them as the end-all be-all of the cha-cha because I find The Shining just as engaging and important as I do Dracula or I do um what's another classic I give a shit about 1984 I feel like these are all equal playing field to me because they accomplish what they set out to do and they are entertaining reads and I love them for different reasons And I do think that the majority of these awards, whether they set out to be this or not, have become tools of marketing, tools of PR. Because whenever you look at books and you look at their cover, the moment these books are announced for any type of prize, they're going to slap that fucking logo on there and never take it off. You will never be able to find that book without that piece of marketing on the front. And I just think it does a lot for authors to have that because someone might pick it up and think oh this is automatically a good book because it was nominated for this award whether that's true or not so I think yeah we will never get rid of them because they will always be useful marketing tools and that is why I think I think they might have pure intentions at the beginning but everything eventually becomes corrupted by marketing and I say that as someone who wants to go into marketing it is corruption oh god you know I want to be a publicist Aaron I'm going to sell these books one way or another. What the fuck is messaging me? Sorry. So, are you going to read any award winners this year, Aaron? Um, probably not. (gasps) Probably not. Do you want to see what's up for the Bram Stoker Award 2023? Sure. And I'll tell you the nebulas, because I feel like those are the only ones we both care about. Yeah. Because I've read a lot of the ones for Nebula. I'm very excited about that. Not the fucking conference. Get on my nerves. 
So up for the best novel for the Nebula Awards is Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Oh. I read it. It's a sapphic like fantasy romance between an orc and a siren, a succubus, between an orc and a succubus. It was very sweet. Spear by Nicola Griffith, which is a queer retelling of Sir Galahad. It was also fantastic. Nettle and Bone by T. Kingfisher, which was supposed to be like this gothic fantasy. I didn't particularly like it, but go off. Babel by R.F. Kuang, or if you're from the UK, they call it Babel, which makes me want to rip their tongues out. Oh my god. Nona the Ninth by Tasman Muir, which is the third book in the Gideon the Ninth trilogy. And Mountain in the Sea by Ray Naylor. Nona the Ninth and Mountain in the Sea are the only sci-fis up this year. Mountain in the Sea, I think, is about octopuses in space. Oh. I'll let you know. It's on the list to read. And for the Brom Stokers, let's see if it shows me. Um, Superior Achievement in a Novel. The Devil Takes You Home by Gabino Iglesias. The Fervor by Alma Katsu. Reluctant Immortals by Gwendolyn Kisti. Daphne by Josh Mallerman. And Sundial by Katriona Ward. That's the only one I've heard of, actually. I was like, the only one I've heard of is Sundial. Same. They also have it up for a first novel. I haven't heard of any but The Hacienda. So I think I've heard of Hacienda. I don't know if I want to read it because it's like magical realism, gothic, and I just don't give a shit about gothic. Who the fuck is knocking on my door? Anyway. So, see, even those books in those categories, I, I've seen a bunch of people talk about Legends and Lattes, but everything else. I they have not shown up unlike the people that I like watch like on booktube or book talk and it hasn't been on my TBR so like I'm unfamiliar with them so um and the ones I am familiar with I'm just like uh so even then I'm like even in the genre specific ones I'm like probably won't read them I will say that for me, for the Nebulas, for the past three years, because I'm so far up the ass of the publishing industry, which is a job for me, basically, I suppose. Um, I've known like every one, every nominated book for the past three years and have read most of them, but that's simply because I don't have a life. Bum, bum, bum. Don't look at me like that. Rude ass bitch. Well, you said it. Well, you know what? At least I'm an interesting person. <laughs> In two ways. So, are you ready for our last segment, Aaron? Yeah. <laughs> Don't sound like that. I think you're also very interesting. So, for our last um segment, we have Power Couple. Two random authors, what book do they write? So if this is the power couple author of the new year, the new decade, whatever, and they're going to write a book together, what do you think their book would be about? Are you ready? Yes. So first off, our first power couple, we have Stephen King and Mike Mignola. So for those who do not know, Mike Mignola is the author and creator of the Hellboy series. If you don't know who Stephen King is, um, get off this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
like I want to know how you've avoided that for this long firstly so Aaron what do you think Stephen and Mike would create together I think that first of all this would be a book that I would read um because I just know it's going to be something so horrifying but so good like I am obsessed with the Hellboy universe franchise um, and I obviously am, I love Stephen King as well. So I, it, it will obviously be something that is horror slash paranormal. Um, mm. And I feel like, I don't think I've ever read anything. Well, yes, I have. It might be the only one where I've read some Stephen King where like, it was like monstery. So I think I would A like- lot of what I've read of King has been very psychological. yeah. So I would love to see him, like, write something that's, like, monstery. And even it was, like, even though it was, like, a monster, it was still very, very psychological. So I liked him just to, like, dabble his little toes. And something something that is, like, purely, like, monster fiction. Um, And uh, maybe put us, maybe instead of psychological with a monster spin, monster with a psychological spin. And, um... I feel I like I could see them taking Frankenstein and actually making it interesting. Hmm. Oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Like a Frankenstein creation of a monster and then the haunting of your creation. Yeah. I could see it being like, of course it would have to take place in Maine. Would it? Because <laughs> it's Stephen King. Everything what? he does takes place in Maine or the Midwest. <laughs> would you rather it be in a cornfield? No. What if they run through the cornfield? That'd be funny. Um, I feel like it would be like rural America, but not like rural South America, like Southeast. A rural America haunting of your own creation, something in the attic type deal, like something's haunting you that you created and you can't escape it. The art would be fantastic. Ah, uh, it would. Be so cool. It's a lot immediately. Stephen King, I know that you listen to our podcast all the time. So what I'm asking you is to collaborate with him and write this book. At Mike Magnola and Stephen King, if you're listening, please get in contact with each other. They God. listen. Oh, I know. That's your <laughs> one listener in Maine. So next for William with our for our next um power couple, William Faulkner and Tony Morrison. William Faulkner is the author of As I Lay Dying and that famous, like, saddest story in, like, three words or something, uh, Baby Shoes Never Worn, per se. I don't fucking know. And Toni Morrison, author of Beloved and Sula and Bluest Eye, both very kind of gothic, southern, southern gothic horror to a certain degree, literary fiction-y. What do you think they would write? Because this is another good choice, because I'm also obsessed with Southern literature as well. Literature. Literature. I feel like I would want a, like, extremely modern day. I want them to do what I think his name is Ray. No, I don't know who. He wrote Devil all the time. Horrible book. Horrible. Hated it. So (laughs) I will. That's what he really felt. I wanted them to do what he could not do, which was write a Southern Gothic story in today's time um, that is good. 
that has interesting characters and an interesting plot. I would love to see, especially a cast of color. Devil Which Tony Morrison is going to bully William Faulkner into it. Um. So I would love it. I would love for it to be like set in like 2023. I want it to be a cast of black queers. I want it to be in the deep Bible Belt South, and Yay! I want it to be just about like I want it to expose the like misconceptions and assumptions people have about Southern culture. But I want it to be very gothicy and like really like creepy too. But I want it to just be, I want it to be like for a, a, a Southern horror fans, just like dream. And I feel like mm -hmm. they could do it. So I feel like it it would be good. If anyone could do it, it's them. That would be it. Do you think they're going to shut down Montevallo again to film the movie? Well, um, I never watched the movie because I said I would watch the movie after I read the book. And I said, this book is trash. I'm sure the movie is too. Trash. <laughs> I never watched the movie, but um, honestly, they can shut down Montevallo. I don't care. I don't plan on going back. They can shut down Tuscaloosa. It makes no difference to me. Hmm. I think it would be iconic. It would be taught in Southern schools to the end of time. So next, our third power couple, Robert Ludlum and Sarah J. Mass. For those who don't know, Robert Ludlum is the author of the Born Trilogy, which is the Born Ultimatum, Born Identity, Born Supremacy. Sarah J. Mass is the <laughs> shut up is the author of um Akatar. Yes, a Court of Thorns and Roses and the rest of that swill. Um, <laughs> I don't like this bitch. I read a Court of Thorns and Roses. I thought it was trash. And then everyone tried to tell me that it got better in the second book. And I'm like, if it can't be good in the first one, it ain't worth my That's time. That's what everyone tells me too. And here's the thing. I've read the porn scenes. I've read better shit for free on AO3. I was a fan fiction girl. You can't... I read better shit than this on the day. I have been told that it, it it's very smutty. And um, I was like, y'all don't... I don't think y'all understand what I read growing up because... It makes me very uncomfortable how much people talk about... Like, smut talk makes me deeply uncomfortable despite being, like, a slut. And I can't, I have not been able to fathom why yet. That's a different topic for a different mocha segment. But does she, okay, before I think, because this is going to be the one that I don't know what they will write together, because I've neither read the Bourne trilogy or any of You've seen the movies. I have. Have you? I don't, I, I feel like I remember. So I, oh. <laughs> is it thriller? Yeah, they're thrillers. Okay, Jason Bourne. So it's about Jason Bourne, who is like a spy who loses his memory, and then he's trying to find his memory, and then he's trying not to be killed the entire time. That's it in a nutshell. It's a big spy movie, like spy I, thriller. Boo boo. Okay, and I'm assuming that the A Court Thorns Rose books are. It's like political intrigue. There's a war going on. It's also like your blood soulmates, intended mates with these fae people. Um main character is special um it's very much romance court intrigue um fantasy realm type okay then i got an idea okay now, these two authors they probably don't want to write this but i don't give a fuck well so let's pretend that they're really happy to work together okay well assuming they're happy to work together i would like because i do like some spy stuff um, and I do like thriller-y things. And I would like them to 
creates some kind of book that has like a team of spies, if you will. Um, some of them have maybe like some enhanced abilities, uh, not necessarily a superpower. So maybe one person can like, I don't know, do certain things. And I like some subterfuge. I like some triple agent action things. I like betrayal. Um, betrayal. I like, you know, that kind of like high stakes kind of things. Um, not knowing who to trust. Um, so if you could, if you could give me that kind of book, um, I love it. I love an ensemble cast. So it has to be ensemble for me to get through it. And they mm -hmm. need to be, it needs to be uh, very plot driven, but the characters need to be interesting enough where they are all serving a purpose to the plot. Um, and honestly, just give me X-Man. <laughs> I was literally thinking this is just the X-Men. <laughs> so they do X-Men, but make them fey. Sure. That's her whole thing. Is like every, she is essentially Holly Black. She does fairies. Should there be smutty scenes? Um, Should there be gay smutty scenes? Is what we're saying. Ooh, well, I do like gay smutty scenes because I used to write gay X Men sex. So. I know. Yes. You submitted it to the tower, <laughs> to the literary magazine that I was editor in chief of. I was very grateful. So you know more about them than I do. So what what do you imagine them writing? I like the idea of it being like intrigue, spy, triple agents, betrayal. And I think if you bring that in with like, like the sexual tension between characters and I would like to see polyamory in this. Whoa. So I think if you had like the dynamics of a polyamorous relationship where you're all spies, you're all double agents, you're all betraying each other and making it really messy the way that people think polyamory is. But I could also accept it being kind of a fantasy setting with possibly some fae, some half fae, some humans and having like species dynamic and xenophobia mixed in yeah. to kind of add like an extra flavor, you know? And I think having that kind of be not about like protecting a kingdom, but it's just like kingdom politics, but on steroids a lot of the way. Yeah. I think that could be interesting that could be very fun but obviously like i feel like maybe we should go city of bones route and have it be modern instead of like because a lot of these because the with akatar it's like high fantasy to a degree where it's not like guns and stuff it's like swords and shields and bows and arrows so if we made it like city of bones which is more modern and you can bring in like guns kind of like underworld the underworld movies Mm. They could take it more in an underworld direction, dark, gritty, adult, and adult. Technically, Akatar is like those series is considered adult, but like in a different direction of adult, where it's like less erotica, more like gritty things. Erotica. I think that could be very interesting. And of course, they'd turn it into a series. It would be like an eight book series. Mm, I'm gonna have to stop at the book one because I don't read. I don't read I'm not gonna read it firstly. <laughs> Let's start there. And for our last power couple, which is my favorite, I'm so excited. Girl, I we was, have. I, I was like, what? The we fuck? have Eric Carl responsible for the hunk, very hungry caterpillar, and brown bear, brown bear. What do you see? And Poppy Z. Bright, who is responsible for books such as Exquisite Corpse, Wormwood, 
Drawing Blood, and Eros Vampire. And Poppy Zebright is famous for writing very gory, violent, disturbing queer horror. So what book do you think they would make together? Child, um... I've thought deeply about this. I think they would go the human I'm glad centipede you did! Route. They would go the human centipede route. Go, the... <laughs> it would be Vore. It would be Vore. Um, if you don't know what that is, look it up. Um, it would be kind of like a Vore fiction. Obviously, it would have like Eric Coral doing the illustrations, which would oh. be like uncanny because it's like childhood destroyed and like demented. But it would be like probably some kind of sentient bug destroying people, most likely like a caterpillar or a centipede that's like devouring others. And it's like a metaphor for someone's internal grief or something. A penis would explode at one point. Okay. Do you know what? Um my my thought was not it, it was similar, but not <laughs> that graphic. I was thinking of you know how a lot of the cartoons we used to watch as children, they come out with like these like, here's like the true story, like here's the conspiracy theory. Mm, about yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that maybe they would maybe choose one of uh Carl's uh children's book books and they would just make it be something more dark. Um, not necessarily penises exploding, but like <laughs> something that like will make you feel nostalgic, but also be like, oh, that's so dark. That's depressing. Like that they do with some of our other cartoons that we've watched. Um, I was not thinking Vore. I was not thinking <laughs> and I was not thinking exploding genitalia. Um, all of those things could I that I guess theoretically be included in my interpretation. <laughs> but um, I was also just very concerned about these two authors being together. I wanted to do one that was just like out there, you know, and that's what I thought about quite unfortunately. <laughs> because I was also trying to pick authors that I knew we would both be familiar with. And you know what? We both know them. Yeah. So I think um, Eric Carl's version of the human centipede um, with Poppy Seabright as the author would be taught. <laughs> it would be taught in Dr. Roselle's next course. Oh, God. I I think that we could probably co-write the Toni Morrison and William Faulkner book and the, uh, what was the second one that we talked about? The, they were the second the one. The third one. The uh Robert L Robert Ludlum and Sarah Jamas. I don't want to write that shit. I think we could write both of those. Oh, I agree, but I don't want to write that one. Mm. I'll write the Southern Gothic one. Mm. I liked the um first one, Stephen King with Mike Mignola. I don't think I could do it, but I don't think I could do it either. Mm, but I like the idea. Well, you don't think we could do Eric Carr and obviously I'll do the illustrations. Here's the thing. I think I could probably do it, but I don't want to. <laughs> it goes I against don't, everything. I don't want to. I don't you want said, to. You said fundamentally. Yes. I don't want to. Fundamentally. Emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, I cannot. That's fine. Love it. So... That brings us to the end of our segments. Aaron, what is a book that you are most excited 
no, 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 no. What is a book that you have decided, it could be in this moment, it could have been earlier, that you have decided to read this year? You're finally going to read it, whatever it is. You could have already read it. What is the one book that's been a thorn in your side? You're going to fucking read it. It has been The Other Black Girl. It's time. It's time. No, 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 no. I changed my mind. It's the Stephen King book, Under the Dome. I need to figure out what happens at the end. I you read need it. to figure out what's under the dome. Yes, I, I read, like, maybe, like, a tenth of it, and then I stopped. So. Mine is The Poppy War, Fire of Kwong. I've had it for too long. It's been on my list for too long. The trilogy is all out. It's complete. I need to fucking read it. And I'm hopefully going to do that in the coming month. I'm going to start it. Hopefully. Also, um, Third Body Problem by Lynn Sisu. I need to finally read the Three Body Problem in that trilogy. Because I know I'm going to like it. And I'm going to love it. I just haven't fucking read it. For whatever fucking reason. I feel like I put books off that I'm like, I'm gonna enjoy it, and then I just put it off, put it off, because I'm not ready to like, either be disappointed or become obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. So it's time. I don't think I'll get to Three Body Problems soon, but I will get to Poppy War soon. I'm gonna do it. All right. It's been great talking to you. It's been great. Uh, yeah, and we'll see you next time. Remember, Black Blue is going through some changes right now, so. It's so dramatic. I won't say see you next week. I'll just see say see you whenever. You can so. say what they say at white funerals. See you later. It's not goodbye. It's see you later. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>